Our New Testament reading is found in the Gospel of Luke, and it's actually continuing from where we left off this morning as we um, ended this morning in verse 34. We'll pick up in verse 35 and read through 48. So Luke 12, 35 to 48. Jesus says this, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore also be ready, therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Shall we pray once more? Father, we ask for your blessing upon this sermon, upon the expounding of your word and the teaching thereof. and We have no desire to hear what I say, only what you would have. So speak through me. Speak, O Lord, that my words would be yours and that they would effectively reach each heart and mind here. And then with what you tell us by your Spirit, Lord, we would please you in obeying what we hear, that by your grace and for your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the sermon is, be ready. Luke 12, continuing from where we were this morning. In light of the context, in Luke chapter 12, let's keep in mind... God's good pleasure. It is our Father's good pleasure to give us 
his little flock, the kingdom. Remember what the Lord said just a few verses prior. I think in what the Lord tells us next, we see the appropriate response to that joyful gift. That gift of the kingdom. And that the Father wants to give us the kingdom. He takes great pleasure and great joy in that. Remember, it's not about the things of this earth, but the things of heaven. It's about us being able to experience the kingdom now and expect it in hope and with joy in the future. And so really, this is not a separate idea. This is a continuing thought with what we talked about earlier this morning. As one whom the kingdom of God is in, this is for you, dear Christian, you will joyfully await the return of your king. If the kingdom of God is in you, then you will joyfully await your king. And the Lord will show us that as as we see what he teaches us tonight in this passage. So, we see Jesus teaching on this in particular. In verse 35 of Luke chapter 12, our Lord says, Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. Now, in this New King James Bible that I have here, there's actually no separation or, you know, a little headline or whatever. Um, In my ESV at home there is, and most of them there are. And you see, you know, one one section that's, you know, the parable of the of the rich man or and then this next section, you know, watch and be ready or whatever. None of that stuff was in the original texts, right? This is just Jesus continuing to talk based on what he's already been talking about. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning in verse thirty five. Stay dressed for action. In other words, let your waist be girded. Always be ready to go. Always be ready to move and to, and to serve unencumbered and also expectant of an imminent return. So remember the context. Remember we see that this all started with some guy coming to Jesus from the crowds while he was there with his disciples and saying, can you solve this dispute I have with my brother? He's not, you know, splitting this inheritance up with me as I think he should. And Jesus says, well, who made me the judge over this matter for you? And Jesus is like, this isn't what's important. One's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions, right? And then he goes and he teaches that we should not be anxious for what we eat and what we wear. He says, look at the ravens, look at the lilies. We're not even to seek those things. Seek the kingdom. And now we get to this. Seek the kingdom. It's your Father's good pleasure to give it to you. Gird your minds for action. Keep your lamps lit. Be ready. And be ready for what? In particular, the return of the Master or the King of that kingdom which is in you and which is coming. see a picture of 
girded loins and of being ready to leave with our Old Testament reading that I read just a few minutes ago regarding the children of Israel being ready to leave in Exodus chapter 12. Verse 11 reads, In this manner you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, with sandals on your feet, with a staff in your hand, and so you shall eat in haste. And that's the same idea. That's the same picture that the Lord wants for us to have as part of our kingdom-seeking lives. Pleasing unto Him. Because it's His pleasure that we live like that. Because He wants to give us the kingdom now and in the future. It's ours. Those children of Israel who were slaves in Egypt, but whom Moses, by God, was about to lead out because God was about to kill all the firstborn of every living thing in Egypt. Unless you had the blood on your doorposts. Right? The blood of the lamb, they would take the lentils, dip it in the basin, and they would put it at the top and on the sides, and they would be covered with the blood of the lamb. You guys, it would make a picture of a cross. How beautiful is that? That would be the tipping point for Pharaoh to say, get out of here. And the Egyptians, the Egyptians, the Israelites would have to be like ready to go at that point. There would be nobody asleep. And you wouldn't see a picture where, you know, wake up, wake up. Pharaoh just told us we can go. Oh, I got to get dressed. No. You are to eat this meal, this first Passover meal, like ready. So you can just leave. That's what we're talking about here. Now, the Lord is not saying here, be ready to be ready. You guys understand that, right? Like, be ready to gird your loins. Like, I'm ready to get my sandals on as soon as I need to. My staff's over there. Everything's all set up for me to be ready when it's time to be ready. That's not sufficient. That's not obedience. The Lord wants us to be ready now. We can't just say I'm mentally prepared to get ready for what I must be ready for. Satan would love us to be in that spot. Our enemy would love us to think that it's pleasing to God to be ready to be ready. No. Or to say I have a full understanding of what I must do. And yet you don't do it. Actually, we'll see. In this case... With some people, if you think like that, you have severe punishment coming your way. With some people. Not all who think like that. So it's sin to, to think in a manner. It's wrong to know what to do and to not do it. In verse 36, in Luke 12, Jesus says, and you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. 
Be like those waiting for their master to return at any time. And, you know, it's not the master's responsibility to give an exact time. No good servant would say, Ah, man, I got stuff to do. Where is this guy? Right? I mean, who's the servant and who's the master here? Right? He could return at any time of the night. The good servants are supposed to be ready for him to return And when he knocks, the door should be opened immediately. You don't want to be asleep. You certainly don't want to have to light the lamp. You see the picture? Your lamp should be ready. Your loins should be girded. Your master is expecting immediate admittance to his house. You may say, well, that's not fair. Surely Jesus will understand. I don't know what gospel we might get that from. But that's not what the Lord says here in Luke. And mind you, this is the life that God has for us that we might experience His blessings. Verse 37, He continues and said, Blessed are those servants whom the Master, when He comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Blessings are in store for such servants who are watching and who are ready, who are ready to open the door. Who can't wait for their master to return. Did you guys catch what the Lord just said? When he finds those servants who are ready and open the door immediately, the Master will gird Himself and serve them. Jesus will serve His servants whom He has given the capacity and the ability and everything required to be able to be obedient to Him in the first place. I think that's One of the reasons we cast our crowns down at Him because we know when we see Him, this is nothing to do with me. Why am I I wearing anything of any import? Oh, the grace of Christ and the picture of the Master of the house girding Himself to serve His servants. How beautiful is that? Indeed, the blessings are in store for such servants who watch and are ready. So, don't get me wrong about this picture. As servants of the Master's household, we're not supposed to be just waiting at the door. That's not what the Lord's telling us. You know, like the kid at the window. I wonder when Dad's getting home. Right? That's, no. I think that'd be time wasted. Right. Whatever responsibilities that are yours in the master's house, you still need to keep up with those responsibilities. We still need to carry them out, but we do so in anticipation of his return. Right. That needs to be our attitude. That needs to be how we kingdom seek. This was our call to worship tonight. First Peter one thirteen. Gird up the, lords of the loins of your mind, right? Another version says, 
prepare your minds for action. I mean, because it's, it is obvious, right, that we're not actually supposed to be girding up our loins. Man, those Christians are weird. Do you see how they're dressing these days? No, Peter nails it, doesn't he? And he says and confirms what Jesus is teaching in Luke chapter 12, that this is a matter of the heart. It's, that's what Jesus has been saying. It's a matter of the heart. So like what Peter said in 1 Peter 1.13, we need to be sober-minded. We need to prepare our minds for action. And we need to rest our hope fully upon the grace that will be revealed to us when Jesus Christ is revealed. Amen? So such blessings are in store. And if you are among the blessed, then the Master will come home not expecting to be served, but planning on serving the blessed ones. Verse 38 reads, And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Continue reading, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There's a few very important things in that verse. Be ready. He's coming. Those are the two most important things. If it were for us to know when, then we would know. Be ready. The Master is coming. So let's not be caught off guard. Now, Peter is listening to the Lord speak and teach this, and he says to Jesus in verse 41, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? So Peter's saying, um, who does this apply to? Who should be watching? And the answer is right there in the beginning of the question when Peter says, Lord, whoever calls Jesus Lord must obey. Are unbelievers responsible to look for Christ's return? Is what Peter is asking Jesus. I say no. It's not their master. Jesus is not their master as he is ours. He is the God of the universe. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords indeed. But we have a unique relationship with him. Or as we will see continuing in this text, um, some people pretend to have that unique relationship with him. But the master of the parable, think of it like this, will not come home from the wedding and find nobody at the door and then go into the town and punish those who are not of his household, right? So, we're speaking specifically regarding those of the household of the master. Unbelievers will be judged, but it's because they do not believe in the Son, not because they don't look for his return. John chapter 16, if you want to turn there with me. 
speaking of the work of the Holy Spirit in this world, the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. Verse 8 reads like this, And when He has come, that's the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in Me, this is Jesus speaking, of righteousness because I go to My Father and you see Me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The conviction the Holy Spirit will bring upon the world and that which the world will be judged for is not believing in Jesus. Verses 42, continuing on in our text, to 44, the Lord starts to answer Peter and he says, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household? to give them their portion of food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. What Jesus is saying here is obedient servants will be given more responsibility. He is not talking about everyone like Peter asked. Is this parable only to us or for all people? It's certainly not for all people. The point is made also in another parable. If you guys would please turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Different story, same, same point. Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to start in verse 19. This is the parable of the talents. And for time's sake, we're not going to read the whole parable. We'll start in verse 19. And the Lord says, After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So remember, he left and went to a faraway land and gave each of them something that they were responsible for in his name. And so now he's settling accounts. And in verse 20, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. 
Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And here, like we'll see in our text in Luke chapter 12, we see this we see this um, difference made between servants in that in this world there, there are those who are children of God, there are those who are not children of God, and then there are those who are not but think that they are. Right? I mean, think of the harsh language that Jesus speaks about this one who buried the one talent. That is not regarding a child of God. They would not be cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. That, that goes against so much of what we believe foundationally of our Lord. We're talking about those sins that were removed from us as far as the east is from the west potentially being brought back to us? No. This one was never a child of God to begin with. Just one who called Jesus their master turns out that he wasn't. Take the talent from him in Matthew twenty-five, twenty-eight, and give it to the one who has ten. This is amazing. In verse 29, Jesus says, everyone who has more will be given. And this is similar to what we're learning in Luke chapter 12 tonight. But then listen to this. But him who does, but from him who does not have, what he has will be taken away. What the Lord is telling us here is that once he removes that one talent from the wicked and lazy servant and gives it to the guy with ten, not only does he have nothing to show for right now, he's talentless, right? Even what he has from that point will be taken away. That's when he's thrown into outer darkness. In other words, even the false hope that he had of being a member of something regarding God, now that's gone. He has nothing. Absolutely nothing. It reminds me of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7 regarding those who come to him seeking to enter into heaven and saying, Lord, I've done these things in your name and I prophesied and I've done miracles. And I mean, this seems like a, a pretty upstanding church member, right? Like, I want that guy in my church. He's healing people. Whew. Well, he's, he's not entering into heaven. What does Jesus say to him? Depart from me, you who, and here's a couple of translations, you who practice lawlessness, right? He says in one, he says, I never knew you. Isn't that amazing? I never knew you. So back to our, our text in Luke chapter 12. Obedient servants are given more responsibility. Disobedient servants will not only have their responsibilities taken away from them, but they won't even be able to hold on 
to the false hope that they once had. Verse 45 in Luke chapter 12. Jesus says, But if that servant says in his heart, okay, and here's in this context that wicked and that lazy servant, and here's what the disobedient servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and to be drunk. Reminds you of who Peter warns of in Second Peter, doesn't it? The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware. Listen to this. And will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. It is clear that this is not a child of God that Jesus is talking about. This is one who thought he was, but is not. And that servant, who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. The disobedient servant's fate, similar to the the end of the parable of the talents with the one who was wicked and lazy, and although they had knowledge of their Lord, or whom they called their Lord, they couldn't correctly apply it to their lives in obedience. And it just comes down to that basic understanding that can one truly obey God and please Him if they are not His child? I say no. Verse 48. The Lord continues and he says, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. So those who were not the Lord's and yet called him Lord have a severe punishment. If you're given much, much will be required of you. Now remember, all of this is still part of seeking His kingdom. What did this disobedient servant do when he said, "Ah, my master's not coming? He started to engage in violence and engage in indulgence for his own pleasure, not for anyone... You know, not not indulgence for the glory of God, right? But eating and drinking and getting drunk. I mean, he shouldn't be drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. But what would this person care about that? Doesn't that remind you of the one that we talked about this morning? The one who was just anxious about, well, what do I do with all this stuff? Man, all this stuff I have, I'm going to tear down these barns, I'm going to build new ones so that so that way one day... I can eat and drink and be merry. I can be at ease. See, that's the one. The one who thinks they have security, their talent will be taken away, and then their security will be taken away. So I say, it's not a matter of 
Should we wait for the Lord or not? It's a matter of we get to in anticipation of being those blessed servants to whom when the Master comes and knocks, no matter the time of night, we will get to see Him because He will work in us that work where, you guys, this isn't of ourselves. This is of heaven where we can gird the loins of our minds and be ready for action and be sober. Where we can rest our hope fully upon the coming of Jesus Christ and and the grace that will be brought to us when He is revealed. That is a gift. And when He is revealed, when He does come, He is not coming so that we will serve Him. He's coming so that we will be served by Him. And more than we've ever known. Paul says in the book of Ephesians that forever and forever and forever and unending, never stopping, we will learn of His riches and grace and His kindness towards us in Christ. Heaven, being with Jesus and being with the saints and being with the angels, but most importantly, Jesus Himself will never climax. It will never get to a point where, oh, there's the top. It's going to go And it's going to go and it's going to be awesome. Why? Because Jesus is sharing of himself and little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure for you to have that. Wants you so bad to know that. Part of that is not only having a worry-free life for the things of this world, but it's having a life expectant of your king's return. So be ready. Gird the loins of your mind. Keep your lamps lit. Don't run out of oil. Or as I said this morning, embrace what you've been saved for. Don't embrace what you've been saved from. Amen. Let's pray.